As we get ready for this morning's message, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and it is good to be in your house. Lord, it's good to worship you. And Father, it's also good for us to acknowledge where we are and what, what's been going on in our hearts and how we, we need you desperately, Lord. We need your power. We need your might. We need the, the work of your spirit in our lives, Father. And so we ask for more of that. And Lord, many of you here may be feeling exhausted, maybe full of stress or anxiety at work. Lord, if that's you, we just pray for you. We pray that God would reach out and encourage you and give you rest as you trust him. Would he show favor to you and bless you and grow you? Many in here may be feeling sick or exhausted, or maybe their, their, their mind isn't working as sharp as it used to, and it's frustrating, Lord. I pray for each one of those here, that you would just pour down your, your healing upon their minds and upon their bodies, Lord, and restore them. And Lord, we just come before you and we feel exhausted or broken. Lord, we need your strength. May you be our strength. May your Holy Spirit uh, be alive and active in us so that we can really be about the Word of God and proclaiming the Word of God. And Lord, may we walk out of here uh, with the hope of Jesus. And Father, would you just change us and transform us by your might and your power. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9 this morning. Um, we're going to be seeing a story about Saul who becomes Paul. And it's a very powerful story. Saul's at a place where he's persecuting and going after followers and believers of Jesus Christ. And he's going to be a whole different person by the end of this passage. And so I pray that we would see that that could be the same for us as we turn our lives over to Jesus Christ. I don't know, has this ever happened to you where you are looking for something and you just can't find it? It seems like it happens more and more as a little bit I get a little, little bit older. But it seems to happen to me when I'm looking for a lot of tools or like a hammer, or like a wrench that I really need, and I'm like, where did that go? And I'll look around, I'll be like looking in all the different places, and then Catherine will come out, and she'll be like, what are you looking for? And I said, well, I'm looking for that hammer, that wrench, you know, and she'll be like, that one that's right in front of you, you know, that's just a little bit over in the corner. Does that happen to anyone else? You know, it's like it's right there the whole time, and you feel like a fool, and you're like, I, why, why couldn't I find that? Why couldn't I see that? It was right there. A lot of times it happens with, you know, my sunglasses as well, and I'll be like, where are they? And the guys, you know, they're right on your head, Dad. You know, and that happens to me a lot. Well, I think we're going to see that today with Saul. Saul, you know, thought he could see what a relationship with the Lord looked like, but he couldn't really see it. And so we're going to see what it looks like when we really recognize Jesus for who he is today. So we're going to walk through this passage in chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. And we're just going to walk through it and kind of see what applies to us as well. The first thing I want you to know, and maybe this is a refresher, Saul was absolutely coming at Christ. That's what we're going to see the first thing. So if you have your Bibles, chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says this, But Saul, still breathing threats and murderous and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he be found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to go to Jerusalem. So, Paul, it says, is still, okay, he says, emphasizes, he's still breathing out murderous threats towards the people of the way. Who are the people of the way? The people of the way are the people of following Jesus Christ. 
That's who the way is. You know, the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So that's who he's breathing these murderous threats out. And it says he's still doing it. So it refers to this must have been an ongoing thing. Absolutely it was. If you go back just two chapters before this, Acts chapter 7, you'll see that a bunch of religious people got upset with Stephen, a follower of Christ, and they dragged him out in the middle of the town, and they began to stone him. And stone him they did. But it said at the end of chapter 7 that the witnesses there laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. So Saul was there. He was approving. He was absolutely saying, go ahead, go ahead. He was seeing what was taking place, and he was good with it. If you go on just a few verses later, Acts chapter 8, just the first three verses I want to read for you. And it says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. And on that day, great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged out men and women and put them into jail. So we see that this is the scattering. There's this persecution. Saul had been doing this, you know, and he's, he thinks, you know, I'm doing this for the Lord, right? That's who we find out who Saul is. Because I just want to remind you who Saul is. Saul is a believer in God. Absolutely. Saul in Acts, this, Saul's conversion story kind of not just happens in Acts chapter 9. You can also read about it in Acts chapter 22 and 26. But let me read you just a few verses from Acts 22 where Paul's going to describe himself. This is who Paul is. He says, I am a Jew... Born in Tarsus of Sicily, but brought up in the city under Gamil, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. And I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison. Also, the high priests and the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Paul, at this time in Acts chapter 9, he's a Jew. He's a believer in God. He was absolutely thoroughly trained in the scriptures and the laws. In fact, he was trained under one of the best teachers of the land. And he said, you know what, that he was zealous for God. He was thoroughly passionate about God. And he wasn't this kind of like, I'm just going to go to church and kind of check in, check out, one hour here, done for the week. No, he was like, okay, I'm done with church. Now I'm going to go serve. I'm going to go get, you know, do what I can for the Lord. And so he was passionate about God. Here's the deal, though. He was passionately wrong, right? He just couldn't see the real relationship with God. He, could know, he knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. He, could apply, he tried to apply the scriptures daily to his lives. Jews in those days would have known the scriptures very well. But Saul was actually like saying, I knew him even better than you do. I've been studied. I've, I've been to college on this stuff. And that's who Saul was. Saul was this religiously active person, but he was dead wrong in his beliefs about God. And he was breathing out murderous threats towards the people who followed Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's where it can be dangerous. When we come against the people of God, the people of Jesus Christ, the church, Jesus says, wait a second, you're persecuting me. That's who we are. 
And so we've got to be very cautious. That's the bride of Christ. We are the people who follow Jesus Christ are the bride of Christ. And we're going to see Jesus acknowledge that in just a moment. But a lot of times what happens is when we think we've got it all, we've got the knowledge, but we don't really have the relationship right. I, I think of the idea of being a sophomore, okay? Um, I was explaining to one of my, my boys a couple years ago who haven't been to high school yet, what are, the, what are each year called? Okay, there's the first year, that's your freshman year. The second year is your sophomore year. Third year is your junior year. The fourth year is your senior year. And so the freshman year, right, it's all new. You know you're a rookie. You walk in, you don't know where the lockers are. You don't know where the, you know, the bathrooms are. You're lost at every class. But the second year, you got it down, right? You know where the lockers are. You know where the locker room is. You know which teachers are there. You've kind of got a feel for it. So you think you know it all, but you really don't, do you? You still got more to learn. You still, you know, and that's what the whole meaning of sophomore is. I don't know if you know this, but in the Greek, the word sophomos, sophos actually means wise. And the word moros is where we get the word for moron. Okay? So don't be a sophomore, okay? Don't be a wise moron because that's what really we have here, you know? So, you know, there's a lot of good people that go to church and think, I've got it all, I know it all, but yet we really don't. We don't really have the right relationship with the Lord. And Saul was being a sophomore here. He like, you know, thought he had it all, but he was really this wise fool. And, and that's what we see. But the good news is it doesn't stop there. Okay, Saul, I want you to know, thought he was doing God a favor. He thought, you know what, God, I'm going to take care of these people for you. I'm doing this for you. I, I'm zealous for you, God. I'm going to take out these people, put them in prison. But praise the Lord, it doesn't end there. Saul meets Christ. So let's continue on in verses 3 through 6. This is what it says. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to, you are to do. Okay, so one day, Saul is traveling to Damascus, and he's trying to find people that he can, they're following Jesus Christ, and he wants to put them in prison. That's the whole goal. But then this bright light flashes on him. And I was reading in a couple commentaries, okay, this would have been the middle of the day, okay, when he was traveling. So this bright light wasn't just like, oh, there's the sun. It was an extreme bright light. It was wider than you can imagine. It was clear. It was supernatural. And this bright light flashes at Saul, and Saul falls to the ground, and he hears this voice speaking to him from heaven. And he says, Jesus asked Saul, why are you persecuting me? Again, who was Saul persecuting? The people who were following Jesus. Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? So followers of the, the, the body of Christ, that's Jesus' body. And he takes it very serious. So friend, we got to build up the body of Christ when we were lifting up the name of Jesus. 
So here we see Saul could not really understand. He becomes blind. He, he, he literally cannot see, and he's blinded for a number of reasons. He couldn't see the scriptures well. He didn't really have a great understanding when he would go to church. He couldn't really understand what God was trying to speak to him and how he wanted to move in, in, in his life. And so he's blinded, and he says, wait, go to town and wait for further instructions. And Saul was absolutely blinded for Christ. Now, I want to read a little bit more in verses 7 through 9. It says this, The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. Hearing the voice but seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And there for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. These men, okay, Saul was traveling to Damascus. He was looking to persecute. He had a bunch of people traveling with him. And these men that were traveling with him could absolutely verify what took place. They saw the light, okay? And they knew that something had happened. It made them, they stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. And they could see Saul was blinded by a flash of light. And then he gets up. This is Saul, who was kind of full of himself, knew the scriptures, kind of, I'm going to go conquer for the Lord. And now he's being led by others. Take me to town. What a humiliating you know, moment. What a humbling moment for Saul to now be led into town by others that were traveling with him. What happens when you lose your sight? You know what happens when you lose? If you were to close your eyes for about a couple minutes, guess what would happen? Your other senses kick up, don't they? All of a sudden, you would start to smell around you. You'd smell who's wearing perfume and cologne. Maybe you'd smell some of that coffee and donuts. And then what happens is your hearing would go off. Like, it would go way up. You would all of a sudden hear, the, you know, somebody coloring the, on the crayons or, you know, somebody kicking over the coffee cup, right? You know, all those different things. You would hear it and your senses go up. Well, that's true for Saul, for Saul as well. Christ had to physically blind Saul so that he could to show him that he was spiritually blind as well. And sometimes God has to do that in our lives, where he kind of has to wake us up and show us, you know what, I've been spiritually blind. I, I just don't have it. So he had to blind him, that he couldn't see the truth. He couldn't understand the scriptures. He couldn't understand what the purpose God had for him. But he thought, you know what, I'm doing this for you, Lord. I'm following the way. But he was blinded to all of that. Why? So God could show him, Christ could show him that he was spiritually blind. And you know what? Unfortunately, there are a lot of us like Saul today. It just happens, you know? There are people who are, you know, spiritually blind that lash out against those who are not spiritually blind, that understand the way of Jesus Christ. And there are people that, you know, think, you know, I, I'm just a little spiritually blind. I'm doing God a favor. I'm coming after you a little bit, you know, because I'm waking you up for the Lord. And, and they don't really recognize that sometimes that, what the damage and the pain that that can occur. And friend, we, uh, sometimes God has to get our attention. But he wakes us up and he lets us know that he was spiritually blind. And so Paul, Saul had to see that. He had to see and recognize, you know what? I, I'm not serving the Lord. I'm not serving God the way you've called me to. I'm not in that, that relationship that you've called me into. So Saul is converted by Christ. I want to uh, read the, a little bit more, verses 10 through 19. If you have your Bibles, follow along. This is what it says. Now there was a disciple at, at Damascus named Ananias. 
And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man named uh, Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might again regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, wait, wait, wait a second. I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and before the kings and before the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales falls off his eyes and he regained sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. Okay, Christ used a man named Ananias to explain the way of Jesus to Saul. Christ spoke to Ananias and said, you know what, I, I want you to go to Saul. And I, Ananias was, he's like, wait a second. Jesus, you know what Saul's done? I don't know if I want to go to him, right? This guy has been persecuting. He's been throwing people into prison. Lord, I don't know if I want to go to him. And Ananias says, Lord, whatever you call me to do. And I pray that that would be true of us. Ananias just says, here I am, Lord, use me. And the Lord Jesus says, it's okay to go. Ananias did go. And Ananias laid a hand on Saul. And do you know what he calls him? This man who had been persecuting followers of Jesus. He calls him Brother Saul. Isn't that incredible? Can you imagine the love that Saul felt in that moment? That Ananias came and called him. He'd been praying out. He can't see and he feels this touch on his shoulders. And he says, Brother Saul... And he explains to him and he receives healing. Saul receives the Holy Spirit. And after receiving the Holy Spirit, Ananias baptizes Saul. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of people out there that are scary to go to and tell about Jesus Christ, isn't there? There's some people that are like, Lord, I don't know if I want to go to them. You know, they're pretty mean. They're pretty, you know, some people get pretty angry with us when we start talking about our, our faith in Jesus and about the scriptures. And they're like, wait a second, don't bring that in here, right? Don't, you know, bring your prayer into the schools. They have a problem with that. But you know what? God just calls us to go. And I want you to know Christ absolutely knows what he's doing. And I want you to know, if, even if the person that we go to and tell them about Jesus Christ doesn't respond the way we want them to, that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be obedient. Lord, you call me to go. You call me to serve. You call me to give. You call me to do this. And so I want to be obedient to you. That's our responsibility is to be obedient. You know, what happens between them and the Lord, that's on them. That's between them and their heavenly Father. But we have a responsibility to go and present Christ and share Christ. And may we be like Ananias as a church. May we be a people that go into this community and proclaim the love of Jesus, the good news of Jesus Christ, and allow Christ to change and transform lives. 
You know why I go when people, it's hard to go to? Because I love Jesus Christ. That's why I go. It's not because, you know, another reason I go and I'd be obedient to sharing his word and a relationship with Christ, because I don't know the whole picture. You don't know the whole picture. But Christ knows the whole picture, right? And here's the good news. I, want, I hope, you know, sometimes we, we lose hope. Sometimes we're struggling, our hope's a little bit waning. I pray that you have hope in Jesus Christ. Because I want you to know Jesus Christ can penetrate the heart of anyone. He can change their life. And I want you to know it doesn't have anything to do with me. It doesn't have anything to do with you. You know, Ananias didn't think, you know, sometimes we think, oh, I'll just wait till they're ready. And we keep praying, Lord, make them ready, make them ready. Friends, sometimes we got to go even when we don't think they're ready. Ananias didn't think Saul was ready, did he? You know, I don't even think Ananias was really even praying for Saul at that point to receive Christ. But we've got to go because Christ calls us to, because we love Jesus and he can change the heart of anyone. The key for us is being having ears to hear what God is calling us to do. I've been reading a lot in the last couple months on James. What does James say? James says we should be quick to listen and, and slow to speak. Are we ready to hear the word of God? Are we ready to hear his spirit? Where are you directing? Where are you calling me to go? Well, praise God, Saul saw the light. And he, you know, goes on and he ministers the good news of Jesus Christ. So are we being obedient to sharing Christ with others? Because Jesus Christ has the power to save. You see, it wasn't Ananias that saved Saul. God used Ananias, and Ananias was faithful to be a servant. He says, what do you want me to do? Lord, I don't know about going there. And he says, I'll go there. Okay, you say go. You know, Jesus is the one that saved, Ananias, uh, that saved Saul. He changed his life. You know, and it, so it doesn't, we got to remember when we go, it's not on us. You know, we don't have to have some amazing ability to speak. We don't have to have some amazing knowledge of the scriptures. When you go and you stutter or when you go and you, you know, don't know the reference to the scriptures, Jesus can still use you. He can move on the heart. So friend, we, Christ has the one that has the power to save. And we need to remember that Christ is the one that has the power to save, has nothing to do with our ability. So the good news is now Saul is moving with Christ. So let's look at these last two verses real quick. Verses 20 and 20 through 22, it says this. For um, some, day, some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Wait a second, is that not the man who made you know, uh, havoc in Jerusalem and you know, those who called upon his name? And has he not, you know, for this pur- been here for the purpose to bring bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, prov- uh, providing that Jesus was the Christ. Isn't this awesome? Do you know how this passage began just 20 verses earlier? Saul, it says, was breathing out murderous threats against followers of Jesus. 
He meets Jesus. It changes his life. Now here at the end, he's going before. He's telling everybody, let me tell you, Jesus is real. He's true. He, he is the Messiah. He's the one that you know, died for our sins, and he's alive again. He's proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. What an amazing change of life. And I pray that we, that we would be reminded, you know, he, from a persecutor going after Christ followers to now he's proclaiming the hope of Jesus Christ. May that be true of each one of us. May God get a hold of our lives in such a radical way that we are no longer against the Lord. We are no longer going against his people, but we are proclaiming the hope of Jesus Christ. May that be true of us. Because Christ has the power to save every one of us. The question is, are you ready to surrender your life? Are you ready to surrender like, like Saul did? And sometimes God has to do something dramatic. You're like, wait a second, Saul, that was kind of extreme. You know, the bright light and, you know, all of that blinding me for a couple days. Well, sometimes God's got to do that to get a hold of our attention. But I want you to know, something I want you to hear as we wrap this up. Does anyone in here have a past? This is where you all say amen. <laughs> amen. I got a pass. You got a pass. We all got a pass. I want you to know Saul had a pretty bad pass, didn't he? That's pretty extreme. I mean, he was going after people, putting them in prison, killing people. That's pretty extreme. Well, let me tell you, past does not disqualify you from the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Yeah, your past does not disqualify you from the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Your past also doesn't disqualify you from what he wants to do in and through you going forward. So friend, get, dust yourself up. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. March forward in his name and let him be used for your glory. Uh, Jesus Christ, I want you to know, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Jesus that changed and transformed Saul's life can change and transform your life and the life of any sinner, all of us. You know, sometimes we get caught up thinking, you know, how can that person be sitting in here? You know what they do all week? How can they sit before the Lord? Friend, look at yourself and see, I'm just a wretched sinner and I need your mercy and grace. And friend, when you receive Jesus' mercy and grace, it changes you. Saul was a mean man. He was harsh, hard-hearted, difficult. He was going out conquering. Do you know that this same Saul became Paul? And Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13. What's 1 Corinthians 13? We read that at the love chapter. That's what we read at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It doesn't keep records of wrong. Love never fails. He had experienced the depth and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Friend, have you? Have you surrendered? Have you experienced that you're letting him change you and transform you? Friend, I know we're not all perfect. That's why we keep running back to his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy. And sometimes we feel like we blow it and we failed and we got to, you know, run back. Guess what? You're, you're never outside of his grace. He can always welcome you back. But yes, we need to be walking more and more in obedience to him. So ask, Lord, what do you have for me? May it change your prayer life. What do you want me to do? Are we remaining connected to the vine like Spencer talked about a couple weeks ago? That that way we'd be so in touch with his word that we'd be changing us, transforming us, renewing us, and his spirit would be moving us. I pray that's true for each one of us. So friend, if you haven't surrendered, if you've been caught up in a little bit of maybe just kind of performing for the Lord, you think you got it right, have you seen the Lord correctly? Have you seen his power and his might in Jesus Christ? And I want to ask you if you haven't surrendered to him today. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for 
giving us an example of how you changed Saul to Paul, Lord, and how you change us from out of our wickedness to death and uh, to life in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, The old is gone, the new has come. Father, may we let go of those chains and the, the bondage of sin, and may we run in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. May we run into your arms. Lord, we sit down and we trust you as our Lord and Savior. We put the full weight of our lives into you, and by faith we receive you and the gift that you have and the grace and the mercy that you have for us that you went to the cross and died for our sins. We say thank you. Lord, may any who do not know you receive you and trust you as their Lord and Savior. And would you move on us, Lord, that we could be Ananias's, that we would go and tell and be obedient. Who do you have for us, Lord? Who, if we're admitting it, we think, ah, they're a little bit too far gone. God, you wouldn't want to save them. God, you wouldn't want, may we just be obedient. And Father, may they surrender their life to you. That's what you, we pray, that you use new hope to be a light in this community. Use us for your glory, for your namesake. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed week.